0: This is the unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Brady's back. Brady's under pressure. Brady's
1: safe. Brady—he's won. Incomplete, and the ball game's over. And the Giants have won Super Bowl 46! Finish is what Tom Coughlin said, and the Giants have finished off the Patriots in the Super Bowl for the second
2: time in four years.
1: Yeah, we get it, Nuno, our producer. Okay, great. The CC won a Super Bowl, beat the Patriots. It's the anniversary of it. You know, it's also the anniversary of twenty eight three comeback, and he only wants to play the Giants beating the Pats for the second time. Yeah.
2: Did you play in that game? Yeah. Yes.
1: I played.
3: You know, in we that actually game. had three upset wins in that playoff run, right? We upset the Green Bay Packers, who were 15-1. and We upset the San Francisco 49ers Conference Championship game, and we upset you guys. The I mean, Kansas City Chiefs are trying to do that this year.
4: Team of destiny, yeah, it, feels just like. saying.
3: That's what right. it feels That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. and why
4: aren't you celebrating yeah. this? Chris Canty winning a Super Bowl means that we as a show are a Super Bowl winning show.
1: Yes, absolutely. You're giving me credit as somebody rooting against We are
3: a Super Bowl winning show.
1: Yeah, okay.
4: high tides lift yeah, exactly. all boats. He, not, he has no the doubt. hardware. Therefore, we are a Super Bowl winning show. So yeah. you better show that win some love.
1: Yeah. Seven years ago today, 28-3. Greatest go. comeback in the history of sports. Just I
4: insane. was there. That was nuts.
1: Yeah. You were there I was that? there.
4: I covered the game for ESPN. Yeah, for ESPN Radio. And it was, a, it was a crazy story because it was my first time ever having to go on the field and get interviews. And I was really nervous. So I got there before and outlined my route from where we were sitting down to the field. And you have to go down there at a certain point in the fourth quarter. That's right, yeah. And the media waits until the game is over and then you can go on the field. And we were at NRG Stadium in Houston and we weren't getting service down in the tunnel, and the girl behind me, I believe it was Fox that had the game, whoever had the game, she had a feed on her phone, and she turns to me, she goes, Patriots are gonna win this game. I go, what? I had a whole plan of, I'm gonna talk to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, (laughs) like all these people that I was gonna get to interview, and she's like, they're coming back, they're gonna win this game, so we were panicking because we didn't really know what was happening, so all of us were crowded around her watching the game on this phone, and when I tell you, they let us in there, and it was pandemonium. Pandemonium. First person I went up to was Jimmy Garoppolo because nobody wanted to talk to him. I don't blame him. And you. he had played in what, three games that season?
1: Yeah, the first three, then got so, hurt for the fourth. Yeah. yeah,
4: so nobody was talking to him. And I was like, quarterback, he contributed to this. Let's go. And it was just all bets were off, everybody running around like a chicken with their head cut off, trying to find people to interview. What
1: a weird season. Because you're nuts. right. Because that was the Brady suspension season. It sure yes. was. Then Jimmy G, is like, oh, he's the guy. But yes. he gets hurt, I want to say against the Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken, or the Bills, something like that. And then Jacoby Brissett had to come. Yeah, and then yeah. At, they didn't. Sign another quarterback. Yeah. They were just like, all right, if Jacoby Brissett, God forbid, gets hurt, Edelman, you got it.
3: But then Jacoby <laughs> Brissett couldn't throw the ball because he had some kind of thumb injury. Correct. Yes. So they handed wild. the ball off and they won. It was they, wild. I think they it was did crazy. they
1: win that game? Now I don't even remember what happened in that it game. It was a wild game. But yeah. that that's funny you say that about Jimmy G, because yes, he was a contributor to that. Big but you time. don't think about him, you know, for the totality of that season. It's yeah. it's still I've watched that game a million times. A lot of times when you have a comeback, something happens. God forbid. Matt Ryan gets hurt. There's nothing that happened. It's just they stayed the course. They kept running the ball.
3: I thought the Dante Howard strip sack. Dante, that the that Dante Howard was, was, was the closest thing to was, like a turning was, point that moment. Was the, the that was
4: the one where moment. Edelman had that crazy catch yes. too, right? Yeah. Because I gave him my phone. I interviewed him. He had the phone, and he took it into the locker room. And I thought <laughs> that my phone was lost forever.
1: That is something people don't know. How would anybody realize this? So behind the scenes, and you probably have had this happen you know, as a player. When you are assigned to go into the locker room by ESPN, like, like we both have been, to go get guests for a post-game show or a network show, you hand the cell phone to the player. Like, hey, Chris, you're calling in with yes. Michelle Smallman and Evan Cohen. I did that once to Maurice Jones-Drew. He said after the interview, he goes, thanks for the phone. I appreciate it. I said, no, no, that's not like a parting gift. That's my actual <laughs> self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He thought I was giving him the phone yeah. as like a thanks for coming on. Like, that's my phone. So now I'm. It set- must have been a really nice phone, though. I actually pathetically had one of those ESPN phones. Oh <laughs> of my course gosh, I of did. Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, of course I did, right? Yeah, because it had I... all this, I shouldn't say pathetic, but it's like the scores and highlights and everything for that's the ESPN very phones. That's yeah, very exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah,
4: but I, security at the Super Bowl is obviously very tight. I only had field access, not live locker room access. So I get... Edelman to do the interview and he was one of the big stars of the game had that unbelievable catch and he is he's like okay okay I'll do it and so he's on my phone and they escort him into the locker room and I'm trying to go after them and they're like no no your credential doesn't allow you to go in here I go but that's my cell phone he's
3: got my phone (laughs)
4: he's got my cell phone and so I stood out there for like 15-20 minutes and all of a sudden Edelman like pops his head out and he like tosses it to me he's like hey thanks here you go great interview I'm like okay great
3: (laughs) so all's well that ends well yeah it was great but I
4: remember that too because i had to get a lot of behind the scenes stuff and that was when goodell has to give the trophy everybody was booing him because he had suspended brady it was brady's kind of triumphant moment Mm -hmm. that goodell you know allegedly tried to take him down that's the narrative suspend him and he wins the super bowl anyway
1: no allegedly but uh, that was also the Super Bowl where uh, Smalls and I went to a, ga- a Rockets game no, together. we did
4: not attend together. We were just we there at the We sat next time. to
1: each other at the Rockets game, and she has no recollection of oh. that until we started working together. And I'm like, hey, we've met before. So I didn't realize that the
3: entire Unsportsmanlike crew was at Houston at that Super Bowl covering yeah. the game. Because I was down there on radio, row for 98.7 ESPN here oh in my New York. Gosh. What
1: time were you doing?
3: That was when you were doing the mornings? Yeah, I was doing the mornings. I was doing that show, yeah. Wow. Actually, no, we weren't on the mornings. We were midday. We were midday. Okay, so you we were midday. Been, yeah. I think it was 12 to 3
1: at that point. So if you want to know, so we were the at the birth... we were at the
3: convention center yeah. yes. on Radio Row. Yeah, yeah. The birth of
1: unsportsmanlike was at the 28-3 Super Bowl. Exactly. See, we are How Super Bowl that? champs. That's yeah.
3: right. We were right. all on different shows. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure my accommodations wasn't like you guys' accommodations. Because we were in like a Motel 8 or something like that. Oh, worse, you mean? Yeah, it was worse. Oh, I figured it you were going big time and you were no, going to no, tell no, us No, staying? no, it wasn't big time. And oh, I, I'm I, surprised by that. No, we were not in the ESPN hotel. We were oh. just kind of like in some kind of... NX hotel like a place Ooh. that had real room keys a place that you really oh, kinda, here he goes a, again a place here that you gotta sleep again. on
1: top of the
3: comforter
4: oh that's a bad just
3: because you know what exactly wasn't great wait a wasn't second great
1: anytime room keys is brought up on this show there has to be a story that is told about you with the new york giants and room keys it cannot go and just into the ether it has to be told what do you mean you room keys signing with the giants
3: yeah, okay, all right. So so, so in 2009, I, I come to uh, visit with the New York Giants, and I, I'm surprised. Like, I didn't think that they needed any help on the defensive line, but it's just like, you know what? My agent said, come to the Giants. We thought we were going to the Commanders. They give Albert Haynes worth $100 million. So, like, okay, go to New York Giants. All right, let's see where they want to land with the money. And apparently, Jerry Reese did not want to offer me a contract that had seeded the contract of another defensive lineman that was on the team that had won a championship in 2007 that was making a lot of money. And so because he didn't want to pay me more than that guy, that became a sticking point, and we were setting up the next visit, which happened to be in Green Bay. And so unbeknownst to us, there was a huge snowstorm that was rolling into town, and so the Giants pulled an all-time stall tactic which was, hey, we've got to get in touch with the owner. Well, you know, the Giants have a co-owner situation. So not only John Maurer, but Steve Tisch. We've got to talk to both of the owners, get them to sign off on this. So it just goes on and on and on. I'm in Jerry Reese's office for, at this point, a couple of hours.
1: And he's the general manager and at the And he's time. the
3: general manager of the Giants at the time. It should not take that long to work out a contract. Okay. It should not. like It's like, all right, are you going to pay me the money or not? Are you going to give me the contract or not? Like, as if you're not, then I'm going to go to the next place that will. And so their thought was if we keep him in the building, then he can't fly out to Green Bay and he can't get that contract. Somebody else is going to fly in town. So we've got him. Like in free agency, the money goes fast. So if they're not going to pay, you got to be on a plane to the next place to get your money. But their thought was if we can keep him here and he gets stuck with the snowstorm, then we're good. So long story long, we end up working out the contract. They give me the money that I'm looking for. But. The snowstorm is starting to hit, so all of the flights are canceled. I can't get back home, so they set me up with a hotel room by the airport. Well, this is not just any normal hotel. <laughs> it's not a Hilton. It's not a Renaissance. It's not- I don't even remember the name of it, but it was across the street from LaGuardia. To, to, to let you know, the hotel doesn't exist anymore. Right. So it, it's no longer. It, it doesn't exist anymore. So That's it was how on it's last legs. It was <laughs> on its last legs back then. Okay. It, it's Quick not tiny exist, note: It's not existent now.
1: Quick tiny note for all those: We're almost th- this story for all those think the life of an NFL player is so glamorous. Not always. Continue. Not always. So <laughs> here's
3: the thing: I go to check in at the hotel, and it actually gave me a physical room key.
4: Was it a skeleton
3: key? It was, no, it was like a, it was like a regular key. No, it wasn't a skeleton key, but it was a regular key, but it had one of those big things on the, pla- like, big plastic thing on it. You know what I mean? It was like a big plastic red diamond on it that had the number of the room. Written <laughs> like, it, uh, it was like, what is, what is this key? Like, it's like. They literally gave me a key that they've had there since 1970-something. Wow. And they're like, this is your room number. I'm like, okay, this is not great. And I'm like, this is the New York Giants, a billion-dollar organization, <laughs> and this is how they want to set up their prize free agent acquisition? I'm like, all right, whatever. So I opened the room door, and I'm just like, wow, this is like a throwback to, to the late 1980s. I'm like, this is bad.
4: Was it a waterbed?
3: It, it wasn't a waterbed, <laughs> but again, another situation where you had to sleep on top of the comforter. Ooh. And it was one of those sinks, you know. It's just like a sink that like had the counter and the sink as one piece. And it was like plastic looking. It was, yeah. just, like, it was just very dingy hotel. But the thing that made me feel better about it is I turned on the TV, I turned on the ESPN, and I see my name on the bottom of the ticker with the contract that I signed, the six-year deal for X amount of millions. I was like... Okay, I can, I can deal with this.
4: Last time we'll be staying like this for a while. <laughs>
3: uh, ever. 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 Well, I thought until I went out to the Super Bowl oh, in Houston no. in 2016. And I was staying at a similar. It must have been a sister hotel.
1: The hotel that they put me at in Houston. <laughs> the Giants called the SPN and said, he's fine with the key hotel. It's fine. fine he it's, doesn't it's need fine. the card. He's it, fine in fine. that one. It's fine. It's fine, it's fine in it's that fine. one. Boy, the life of an NFL player. Not so great. glamorous. Not great. Did they ever not explain great.
4: why that hotel?
1: They tried to trap him.
4: It's actually but hey, brilliant. But at that point, you had already worked out the terms of the deal, though. Yeah, right? I already signed the contract. Yeah, so then why put contract him there at that, that point?
1: So we couldn't back out of it. I don't. Could you back out of it once you signed it? Is there no, but that? I
3: mean, it was a snowstorm, and think about it. I got to the hotel, the the airport late, so presumably all of the other rooms oh. from travelers that would be stuck were probably occupied.
4: And maybe they wanted you close. to Yeah, the but here's the,
1: so here's the, the counter. Practice. Here's the counter to that. My guesstimation. Knowing the Giants ownership, they have houses around New York City, but not in New York City. An apartment that they're probably staying in. Put, let you sleep in one of their apartments. I guarantee you, they have extra apartments in the city, and they put you in the key hotel. But but what does this <laughs> the tell key you?
4: Hotel. The what,
1: key hotel. what does this tell you? If you're trying to recruit somebody in business, in the kindest, most professional way, you got to trap them in the airport hotel. You got to trap them so they can't leave. You got to trap
4: them. But you know what? It worked out for you. Right? It worked out. It worked out. You ultimately
1: didn't think you were going to have a chance to go to your hometown team. You went to your hometown team, and if they didn't trap you, you may have been in Green Bay.
4: Then we might not be. Would have got a
3: ring either way. though.
4: Oh yeah, that's true.
1: That is the most non-humble. <laughs> Would
4: have
3: got, got a ring. I mean, they won in twenty ten. <laughs> that's true. We won in twenty eleven. Would have got well, a ring either way. Both of go. those <laughs> big games
1: were hot ticket. Brought to you by hot tickets. Excuse me. Brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. With Hot Ticket, brought to you by Vivid Seats. Coming up, there's an interesting move in the NFL this weekend that could actually determine the number one pick in the draft. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance.
0: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: So we know that Caleb Williams is going number one.
4: Do we?
0: Uh Uh-oh. Go for it, Smalls.
4: We're assuming that that's what's going to happen, but we don't know for sure.
1: I guess that's fair, but okay, walk me through how he would not go number one then.
4: Well, maybe the Bears evaluate another quarterback higher. Maybe they say... We think Drake May is better than Caleb Williams. Or what we saw out of Jaden Daniels is more electric this year. I mean, we're assuming that it's going to be Caleb Williams, but it's not a lock. It's not a guarantee, especially in a quarterback draft class like this. So
1: the only way in my mind that he doesn't go number one is if he asks to not go number one. Agreed. Agreed. Not to not go number one, to not go to the team that's drafting number one. Yeah, ones. he doesn't
3: want to go to the to Chicago, the Chicago Bears. Bears. Yeah,
1: that's the uh, now. Your scenario is interesting because you got Jim Harbaugh out there. No, no, no bias in all of this. Saying don't be surprised if JJ McCarthy's is number one pick uh, out of the quarterback position. I'm going to be ah. surprised. I promise you I will be surprised if J.J. McCarthy is the number one quarterback taken. But what we had this weekend and what triggers this conversation is Cliff Kingsbury, former Arizona Cardinals head coach and former assistant coach last year with USC, over the weekend, all of us were thinking, okay, he's going to the Raiders to be the offensive coordinator for Antonio Pearson Company. Instead, that falls through and he goes to Washington. Now, Brian Windhorst, (laughs) why would he do that? Now, why would they do that also? Because it's not like he's the best possible candidate. He's fine, if that. There are other guys I would take over him, like Chip Kelly, if they were talking to Chip Kelly, the head coach at UCLA. But what he has, CC, is a direct connection to Caleb Williams from their time together. And if the commanders believe that Caleb Williams is even thinking about not going to the Bears, could the presence of, of comfort, which is somebody he's familiar with in Cliff Kingsbury, trigger that conversation?
3: That could be a thing and you don't make the move of hiring Dan Quinn who is uninspiring by the fan base without having a clear plan on what you're going to do at OC and at quarterback so to me this lets me know there's a method to the madness with what the Washington Commanders are doing and if your ownership you just took over, you're, you're in town the, the fan base has been you know somewhat maligned because of what the franchise has been marred in with the dysfunction over the last two decades under Dan Snyder you need to engender some goodwill and taking a huge swing and going after a Caleb Williams, or at least making the attempt to trade up with the Chicago Bears for Caleb Williams, that goes a long way, right? You have to have something to galvanize your fan base, and going after Caleb Williams, a, a hometown kid, would would be a huge get for Josh Harris in the Commanders ownership group. Uh, and just thinking about this, like if you look at uh, what what they've been able to do in terms of restructuring the organization and bringing in Bob Myers as a part of the search committee and hiring Adam Peters from the San Francisco brass. Like, to me, this is that next piece. Being able to land on the cornerstone at quarterback for the next decade plus. And you got to have somebody that's going to excite the fan base. I think Drake May would be fine. I think Jaden Daniels would be fine. But Caleb Williams is sexy. Uh And and I think that's what you want to do if you're Josh Harris. Go out and get the guy that not only has – You know, the highest ceiling, according to most scouting experts, but a guy that's from the area that that's going to give you a lot of, I guess, leeway with your fan base in terms of giving yourselves an opportunity to get the program off the ground.
4: Yeah, all of a sudden, if you're able to get Caleb Williams, doesn't the Dan Quinn hire look more interesting? Doesn't no the Cliff doubt. Kingsbury hire look more interesting? No now doubt. that you know that they've worked together, he obviously has the connection to Patrick Mahomes. As you mentioned, he's a DC native. I don't know. When I saw that everything unraveled with the Raiders and that he went to Washington, that was my first thought. They're obviously at number two within striking distance of Caleb Williams. They need a quarterback. If Caleb Williams prefers to go there, we're in an era where these collegiate athletes have more power than ever. They have more autonomy than ever. Could he find a way to somehow work his way to Washington? Could they be having those conversations? I. It just made me raise a lot of eyebrows because it was a lot of arrows pointing in Caleb Williams' Here's direction. what makes
3: this situation unique, though. Like, we're talking about Caleb Williams being a multimillionaire already. hmm Like, it's just like, I mean, financially, there's nothing like being in the NFL and being able to be on the biggest stage the game has to offer. But... I mean, he. it's not as if he couldn't afford to sit out a year if he wanted to.
4: He's not desperate for He's money. He's
3: not desperate for money. Like This is a situation where he wants to position himself um, to best maximize his talent and, and to have success in the NFL. And that's something that him and his dad talked about. Like him and his dad
1: talked about. Yeah, this about, is not new. We no, thought it was Arizona no, related years no, no, ago. No, right. This, this right. is
3: something that him and his dad talked about in terms of positioning themselves to have success in the NFL and how a lot of that – for quarterbacks hinges on where you go, so, so there's a certain, GM, there's then? a certain level of comfort that you have to have. And thinking about this, hiring Cliff Kingsbury, this is somebody that not only worked with Caleb, but worked with Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. worked with Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. worked with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. All of them have had success at the next level. So if you're if you're Caleb, there's a little bit of proof of concept there when it comes to that relationship with Cliff Kingsbury. So. To me, it's just something that would make sense as a defensive-minded coach. So you know, he's probably not going to meddle too much on what they decide to build on the offensive side of the ball. And again, it's in your hometown, and this is something that you seemingly want. So, yeah, I I, I like the fit. I just don't know that they're going to be able to make it happen.
1: Let's play mock GM for a second. Let's pretend, which is not crazy, that Caleb Williams says, "I would." Sorry, Chicago Bears. I know you're you know you're trying to be great right now. I'd like to play for Washington. Okay. If you're the Bears, let's start with the max amount of first rounders from Washington. Right on draft day, you said that four. You can do four on, on draft, draft day, day. You
3: can offer four. Like now, right now, up until the day before the draft, it's only three. Mm-hmm. But on draft day, you can offer four first rounders, which would include
1: number two overall. So, yes. all right. So I'm I'm pitching you from Washington. You're the Bears. All right. will give you. We'll give you this year and the next three after that for number one. Yes or no.
3: Depends on the grade I got on Drake May and Jaden Depp.
1: Okay, so you're not at a yes yet. All right, now, let me go But further. I'm not at a no. Oh, well, I got to entice you now.
3: That's what I'm saying. I'm not
1: say, I can't say no to that. All right, I'll, I'll throw No, you it. have to consider it. I have to, I have to have think to about that. You have to consider it. Okay, you're pro- you may laugh at this, but here we go. I'll throw Sam Howell in there. Young quarterback who has some experience. Worst case scenario, he's your backup. So I'll give you Sam Howell on my next four.
3: Okay, that's, that's Sam so Howell doesn't there move. Yet. Sam
1: doesn't Howell doesn't move. Enough, No, yeah. I'll give you Terry McLaurin. Oof. <laughs> That's a- I'm not wasting any time here. I want this done. I'm looking at Caleb. Kay- Bob Myers is looking at Caleb Williams as Steph Curry. Cliff Kingsbury is looking at Caleb Williams as Pat Mahomes. Dan Quinn is not even looking at Caleb Williams. He's looking at the defense with his backwards hat and having fun. I'm giving you the next four. I'm giving you Terry McLaurin. I'm giving you Sam Howell. And you're going to have the second pick in the draft this year. And Drake May and Sam Howell were together at North Carolina's basketball game. So maybe no beef with those two. Maybe you could have a one and two, which we know this year yeah, saw so more I, backups I play I than can't, ever before. I can't, I can't pass on that.
3: I can't pass on that. If you're going to give me four first-round picks, including second overall this year, and, and Terry McLaurin?
4: I'm going to say yes. And to.
3: Terry, so I got Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, it, it, and I've got. Drake, well, I had to Drake, get you to Drake, say yes. Drake May as the trigger man. Yeah, I, I would have to take that if I'm the Chicago Bears. Right. That's, a hell of, I, okay. that's a hell of a lot of draft capital. Big is time. there
1: is there a scenario I take McLaurin out good,
3: of how, under that scenario? How good would Caleb have Caleb Williams have to be in order to
1: justify Multiple that type Super of Bowls? trade? That type of trade compensation be as good as the last pick in the draft a couple of years ago who's going to the Super Bowl this year, maybe. Uh so is there another way of doing this without Terry McLaurin? Just just for conversational purposes. If I take him out, is there anybody well, the else other, the other way
3: of doing it two is two second rounders? The other way of doing it is working through Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams threatening not to play football this coming year. If you're the Chicago Bears and you take him with the first overall pick and this guy decides that he's not gonna play for you like Bo Jackson did back in 86 when he told the Bucks he's not going to play for them and went back in the draft the next year that kills your franchise so but but that kills it like so that the the threat has to be real if the threat of sitting out by Kayla Williams is real then the Chicago Bears are brought back to the table with the Washington commanders in terms of being able to work out a trade package, because as all of the former general managers that have come on this show, like Michael Lombardi said last week, Mike Tenenbaum says all the time, fear what does the work of reason. If you fear that Caleb Williams could sit out, even if you take him with the number one overall pick, then you have to consider trading that to the Washington commanders.
1: Here's what we just determined. While we don't think this is going to happen. If, if, Caleb, well, we don't think it's impossible, but we're not planning on for it to happen. If Caleb Williams simply says, I don't want to go to the Bears, there is a trade to be had. We just came up with a trade. It's yeah. extreme. It's a lot, but there is a trade to be had. So if you're the Washington Commanders, you've got to figure out every single day of trying to make something like this happen. Coming up, all the small things next on Like ESPN Radio.
4: it is time for all the small things here on Unsportsmanlike. Alongside Evan Cohen, I'm Michelle Smallman. Our Super Bowl champion, Chris Canty, who is celebrating the anniversary of his big Super Bowl win today, the New York Giants, over the New England Patriots. He went to get up. So it's just you and I, Evan. It's just the two of us. And now that we're here. oh oh <laughs> This is not a small thing. This is a big thing. Okay. Our esteemed leader, Nuno, pointed out during the break, those on the television side can certainly see this, Evan is not wearing a jacket today. And now why is that important? (laughs) Because every day that we have done this show since we started, what was it, September 5th?
1: Mm -hmm. Five months ago today, I think.
4: Our anniversary today, our five-month anniversary. Evan has won a hoodie and jacket combo. And today, just the hoodie, no jacket. Mm. What's going on?
1: I mean, you want to know the truth? Yeah, the truth. I saw a clip the other day of Hembo and I when I was filling in for greenie, and I thought the jacket maybe looked a little bit too wide. Too wide? Wide, yeah. Now, also, what I eat can make me look too wide, but I thought the jacket was a little bit floppy. What do you think? Better with just the hoodie, or should I have worn the jacket? I
4: don't know. Gentlemen, what do you think?
2: <laughs> it's a little jarring, so <laughs> I would go back to the jacket.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. I take that as Nuno saying I look fat. Go ahead, Javante. <laughs> I did not and, say that. And Pat, what do you guys think? I think the hoodie is fine. You know, right. got to change it up sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I like
2: it.
4: Well, you two are both wearing <laughs> hoodies today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a hoodie
4: Monday. I like it because I think it's a step towards you just diversifying the wardrobe altogether. Not hiding? Don't hide, Evan. Mm. Change it up.
1: All right, we'll see.
4: Maybe wear a tie one day. A maybe, tie. Maybe wear a t-shirt one day. <laughs> Why am I a half zip, a quarter zip, whatever you want. No, I'm going to CC's wear a tie. I'm going to have to wear a tie today. He
2: goes on. Get up. I don't.
4: But maybe one day you could just dress, you know, a little bit. Better? I, I have a feel. I
2: have a feeling on Thursday, Evan is going to be dressed to the T. So everyone's coming up here. The good you guys are I gonna will up dress nicer. You're right about. And there's going to be a lot of. NBA, we might have to get security involved. There's going to be a lot of our NBA analysts and oh. reporters up here because of the trade deadline. Oh, boy. Yeah. Secure, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to uh, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm worried. You know, Tim Legler, Woj, Bobby Marks are going to be roaming the halls. <laughs> Woj, uh, Woj has
1: been so unbelievable to me since I started here, and he's the nicest guy. I love Woj could there be a moment on Thursday around the trade deadline where I hover too much? You better not. Uh, That's a possibility. Just watching Woj in action.
2: He's going to be in trade mode, man. Oh, my
1: God. He'll he'll steamroll you. Don't
4: disturb him. Watching Woj in
1: in action on trade deadline day is, I mean, that's like, that's Game 7, World Series, Super Bowl, NBA Finals, all wrapped into one. If you said to me right now, I could go – I've been to the Super Bowl, but go to the Super Bowl, go to the NBA Finals, go to Game 7, World Series, anything. Or just simply watch Woj without him feeling like I'm in, impeding on his space, I'd rather watch Woj. Watching him operate is – I mean, that's Picasso painting. <laughs> that's what that is. That is that is Quincy Jones And we are the world documentary. That's what that is. He's in his
4: bag. Oh, my
1: God. I would do anything to watch Woj on Thursday. It'd be phenomenal.
4: Um, I don't know, guys, if he still does this, but he used to have one spot in the cafeteria where he would make his home base, and you'd see him there with his notebook and his laptop making calls. And he would have this little notebook there, and I'd be like, what is in the notebook? What kind of amazing nuggets of information is in that notebook from Woj?
1: Now you're getting me thinking about where can I operate on Thursday where he may not see me, but I see him.
4: Evan, Mm. that's creepy.
1: Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Uh, All the small things, small
4: Okay, next one. Let's talk about the... (laughs) Next one? We didn't have a first one. Well, the first one was your wardrobe change (laughs) today. Okay, the next one, the Dodgers. We know that I'm down on the Dodgers super team. They acquired every possible big star, it felt like, this offseason. Well, they had Dodger Fest on Saturday, and one of those stars, Luki Betts, World Series champion, MVP, he made an interesting comment about how the rest of baseball is going to approach these Dodgers. Here's what he had to say.
2: I mean, every every game is going to be the other team's World Series. I mean, it is what it is. It's what we signed up for.
4: So what do you think about that? Do you think that's dissing the rest of baseball, or do you think there's truth in that?
2: I think if it was
1: a shorter season, that makes sense. Because most teams are going to face, him multiple, face them multiple times. If it's your only series against the Dodgers, sure. If it's your last game, like, but do you think the San Francisco Giants who play them, what, 18, 19 times a year, whatever it is? Every game's their World Series. No. I think if it's an NF like NFL, if you're playing the Chiefs and you're out of the AFC West, yeah, every game that that is the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. I think baseball is too many games to approach it that way.
4: I think he's totally right. I think there's a lot of people around baseball that are resentful of this super team, and they're going to want to take them down. They're going to want to prove that you can't go out there and buy a championship. So I think he's right. I think everyone's going to bring their A game when they play. Well, first of all, they're going to have to because this looks like it's going to be an unbelievable team. But just because you spend all the money doesn't mean it's going to work out. Look at the Mets. Sorry, Evan. Why do the Mets
1: have to take strides? Because,
4: what did they spend? What was it, $330 million or something last offseason? Didn't work out for them. So it's not a guarantee. But the Dodgers are trending towards villainous. I don't know if they're there yet, but making comments like this, kind of the you hate us because you ain't us vibe around the Dodgers, I think that they're going to be the big villains in baseball.
1: Their two best players are Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani, correct? Aren't those guys universally liked in baseball?
2: Love Mookie Betts. Not anymore. Wasn't LeBron liked? Before he went to Miami? Mm, Not like these two. I don't think so. Was Dwayne Wade not liked?
1: Yes, he was liked, but not as famous as LeBron, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people turned on LeBron and Wade and Bosh, obviously. No question. If you're equating it to that, then, yes, they become the villains. By the way, if you're right and people do turn on these guys that they've liked forever, that is phenomenal for Major League Baseball. It's huge. Because you need a villain in sports. Now, I don't know if we have a villain in the Super Bowl coming up, Right. I don't know what we need one in the villain. I think the the Chiefs are
4: trending that way. I think a lot of people are sick of them. It's not that they've done anything wrong. I think it's just oversaturation. We're sick of them, just like with the well, the Patriots had Spygate. They had reasons to hate them, but
1: well, the Chiefs, the oversaturation it's interesting because it like infiltrates other things now because of Taylor Swift. You're watching the Grammys last night. There's football. related Trevor Noah is doing bits in the beginning of it for football related bits relative to trailer- Taylor Swift right. and Travis Kelsey, obviously.
4: All right. Well, speaking of LeBron, we talked about people that became villains. We know that the NBA tra- trade deadline is approaching. We were speculating. What's going to happen with LeBron? What's going to happen with the Lakers? We have already talked about the hourglass and we mentioned this briefly, but him and his cryptic messages. Yeah. Lakers-Knicks. He's wearing Knicks colors before the game. After the game, he's got the New York Knicks towel around his Look at our buddy shoulders. Ray
1: Santiago getting a plug out there. Nice job, ESPN New York. Go ahead. There we go. Uh, but, he,
4: you know, he's so great. But all of this cryptic stuff that he does all the time, sometimes I'm just like, relax, LeBron. Like, do we have to every single year do this where we have to read between the lines? Yes. I, he loves the games. Yeah. He just loves the games.
1: Until, until he's told he can't do it that way, which who's going to tell him that? He is the most calculated athlete we've ever seen. You don't think he's... I mean, I know you think, so I'm saying it this way. I'm in agreement. He comes in with orange and blue in his get-up before the game. He
4: knows exactly he what knows he's exactly, doing. And he's, he has the Knicks towel around his shoulders? But if you're one of his teammates, how would you take that?
1: I think he is a star that teammates at times have liked less than most stars, right? Like Brady's teammates love him. They all love him. Mahomes' teammates love him. Totally. Even Kevin Durant's teammates, I think, outside of the end of Golden State, really do like Steph Curry's teammates, adore him. Sure. LeBron's had some teammates that, you know, because he's also running the team at times, could probably be turned off. But here's the thing. He doesn't have to apologize. Guy's won multiple championships. He's arguably the second best player to ever play this sport. His way works. Right. It's just going to turn some people off.
4: Yeah, but I think I'd... I don't want to say I'd take the who are you mentality because he's LeBron James. He right. can do whatever he wants. But you're going to tweet the hourglass and essentially put all of us on notice. And then you're going to lean into all of this and kind of troll everybody by by even suggesting in a way that the Knicks are part of the equation. I think I would just get a little fed up with it if that was my teammate.
1: By Friday morning show at 6 a.m. Eastern time, post-trade deadline, we'll know who he's talking about. Because <laughs> whoever's not there anymore is who he was talking about. Anything else, else? Nope. That's it. All the small things. There we go. With a big thing about my hoodie today and uh, needing a jacket coming up. <laughs> speaking of uh, knowing things and knowing who you are and who you're not. Uh, Micah Parsons. I don't know what team he thinks he's on and what they've done recently, but he's taking shots all over the place. We'll get to that next. Done sportsmanlike on ESPN radio.
2: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash network.
0: This is the unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN radio. So
1: the Dallas Cowboys this year finished 12 and five had their starting quarterback the whole year, right? Cleveland Browns this year finished 11 and six had, um, uh, Five different starting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Five. And one games with four of them, right? One games with four of them. And arguably the guy that they intended to be their starting quarterback in terms of living up to expectations was the worst of all of them, actually. Yeah. In Deshaun Watson relative to expectation. Just had to set that up to get to this place. So Micah Parsons is a Pro Bowler. They had the Pro Bowl games this weekend, and he was sitting at, a, um, at an interview set. Carissa Thompson was there. Tyree Kill was there. But specifically, it was Micah Parsons of the Cowboys and David Njoku of the Cleveland Browns, their Pro Bowl tight end, It's part of the Madden 24 Challenge. And those two had an interesting exchange. Micah, how do you think he did in the first half? I thought
3: he did amazing.
2: Uh, he made great
3: adjustments. <laughs> he obviously showed why Cleveland's Cleveland and Cleveland. Whoa, whoa, wow. whoa, That's whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a crazy shot. shot.
1: That's a crazy shot. Oh, 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 that oh, David, you have an opportunity for a rebuttal <laughs> I mean, here. I mean, obviously, first that first all, half didn't go the way you wanted. What, no, it's what, what? cool. It's cool. Okay. You gotta understand
3: one thing, you know. Excuse my voice, it's gone. With the losses, come with big bosses. One thing you don't know, you gotta understand is he said Cleveland's Cleveland, but we're we're both we're both here. We I mean, were both
2: mm. like writing this Madden game. I think mm-hmm. that's a shock? So, you know, you gotta mean, make it make sense. Any person who's ran acting Meek Mill lyrics is like <laughs> I can't take him serious. <laughs> I mean, you, I
3: mean, but am I lying though? Nah, you you try to be lyrical, but I'm don't not not even being get lyrical. Lyrics. I'm saying we're both
2: fitting. Lyrically,
4: in I'm supposed to represent.
1: He has
2: a good body. point, bro. We all here. So yep. what do you say, Cleveland, Cleveland? That was solid. Well,
1: okay. Okay, so Cleveland is Cleveland. Lyrically, I'm supposed to represent. I'm not only the client, I'm the player president. Well done, Carissa, there. Okay. Uh, This drives me nuts. I got to be honest with you. I saw this, and I know they're playing in Madden against each other, but here's why this bothers me. I've defended the Cowboys every which way. Who does Micah Parsons think he plays for? David Njoku's whole thing is we're both sitting here at the Pro Bowl, which means we're not in Vegas. We're in Orlando at the Pro Bowl, which means individually we're really good at what we do for a living. But you're saying because this other guy is down points, I guess, in Madden or whatever it was. Oh, Cleveland is Cleveland or whatever. Well, Dallas is Dallas is a bad thing now. Let's be clear on that. Dallas never overachieves. Cleveland actually overachieved this year.
3: Yeah, and I guess that would be the biggest point, right? Relative to the expectations, yeah. we had a good season. What about you guys? Yeah. Cleveland was a is massive, Cleveland. Dallas was a massive disappointment. That's right. And, I mean, Cleveland won games with four different starting quarterbacks. They called Joe Flacco off the couch in November, and he led them to the playoffs. Like, uh, what, what the hell did the Dallas Cowboys have to show for all of the fancy statistics and, and the good branding? Not a damn thing. Nothing. They Nothing. got the same amount of playoff wins this year. Zero. Zero. so And they've got more questions around their franchise and what's going on with their head coach and quarterback than the Cleveland Browns do. Yes. When the hell could you ever thought you could say that? So so with Micah Parsons... What is he thinking? this This is one of those instances where you just get too comfortable talking and you're doing too much. Yeah. That's where we're at right now with the Cowboys. With Micah and his podcast and... The family members from Cowboys players and all the all Jerry Jones and his weekly hits on local radio. Like, it's just too much talking around the franchise. And I get it. It's what made the business of the Dallas Cowboys as valuable as it is. But it's only undermining the football operation and them having success at the highest levels of the sport. I don't know how they can, they can move to a place where they have more urgency as a franchise and have more chemistry so that everybody in the building can be at their best when it matters the most. I just... I have no belief in the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. It's why I sold them short this year. I didn't think they would be a playoff team. I was wrong about that. They made the playoffs. They played one more week of football than I thought they would. (laughs) Congratulations. And they got their doors blown off in that wild card game. So I don't even know if they played football that week. So again, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys of it all, with a head coach and a quarterback that are both poised to be lame ducks going into 2024, how could you have any confidence in a team with this kind of attitude that Micah Parsons had on display or what we saw from CeeDee Lamb in the wild card game or what we're hearing from the family members, what we're hearing from the owner, how could you have any confidence that they're going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon?
4: I do have confidence that it'll be the same old Dallas Cowboys and that they're going to fall short yet again. That's where where my confidence is for sure. But I don't think they're going to be able to break through and get it done. Ever since they were knocked out of the playoffs again, It's been finger-pointing, and it's been drama, and it's been headlines, and not the kind of headlines you want to make in your house. It's like a Real
3: Housewives reunion show. That's right. That's what it feels like. On Bravo, they had Real Housewives in New York or Potomac, whichever one you like. Their reunion shows, that's what the end of the season has been like for the Dallas Cowboys. That's right. How the hell is
4: that going to lead to success as a team? It's not great. And it's also lacking in in self-awareness. Like, if you're Micah Parsons— How can you confidently make a comment like that about the Cleveland Browns after the season that you guys just had? I have
1: no understanding. It's lacking
4: in self-awareness. If
1: Patrick Mahomes doesn't make the Super Bowl next year and he's at the Pro Bowl and he's playing with, you know, David Njoku and they're talking junk with each other. And he says, well, Cleveland's Cleveland." I, I, there's no response. You're Patrick Mahomes. You're you're in the Super Bowl every year but the one we're talking about. Yeah. All right, fine, I back off. That's right? hanging
3: on the rim. It's it, it's It might be considered poor form, but it's not like it's not true. It's
1: Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, exactly. Correct, correct. We're talking about Micah Parsons, who's part of a team that is most known for underachieving. And you're saying Cleveland is Cleveland. And even if you're taking a shot at the city, which go there and then tell me that, because Cleveland's a great place. Like – it just you can't you can't take shots at other teams when you're a member of the Dallas Cowboys right now.
4: And you can't. Shouldn't your only men- anyway? Sorry. Go no, ahead. but shouldn't your only mentality be we underachieved and we're going to do everything we can to get back there and to make it right next time? And it feels like it's just finger pointing and delusion. There, it's delusion. There, yeah, that
3: part. I mean, Jerry
4: Jones said this was one of the most painful playoff losses he's ever incurred. That it was unconscionable. Right. And he's still in the headlines, don't get me wrong, but that's the energy or the vibe I expect to be projected towards this season from everybody, top to bottom. Not pointing fingers at Dak or taking shots at Cleveland. If you ever want to move forward, you need to look at yourself and say, what do I need to do better? Because this is unacceptable. Everything was working in our favor, and we fell short again. But yet, it seems like they want to point fingers at everybody else and assume that it's going to be better next year, and that's not the case.
3: Can I ask you a question, Smalls? Sure. Was, was Jerry Jones pointing the finger at Dak Prescott when he said, I haven't seen anything that's going to move me off of my stance for the future. We're going to go as far as Dak can take us, absolutely, and how far we got is how far he took us. Like it, it's, it's like,
4: shade,
3: it, 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 right? It's it feels shade. like it's the corporate version of shade. It's yeah. like it's like what Mark Mark, Mark Mark Murphy did with the the fan Justin in Tucson. Like I'm gonna throw shade at him respectfully. Like we went as far as our quarterback could take us. How how does that move the team to where they need to be? How does that sell the rest of the locker room that Dak is a quarterback? that you can win a Super Bowl with. It just doesn't feel like it does that. And and being non-committal on a long-term contract for Dak, I I don't know how that puts the Cowboys closer to where they want to go. I get it. There might be a little bit of a sticker shock based on what it would cost you to extend Dak. But if you don't pay him, then what happens to this window to compete for a championship with this core of players? It goes away. So you don't really have any choice but to pump up your quarterback literally and figuratively with giving him the contract and saying nice things about him. The fact that he seems so non-conventional and and willing to hedge on Dak and the head coach moving forward, it doesn't lead to any place good for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: You know, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, and I know, like, okay, we're taking this comment in Madden and Pro Bowl and making it into something that maybe they're going to say it's not, but it's still the mentality – but like the Baltimore Ravens had one of the worst meltdowns that we've seen, right? They just they were terrible down the stretch. Have we heard a peep from them? And I think the answer is no.
3: No, we have in the postgame and they and, and they and it sounded awful. Like they Like, Lamar Jackson had tears in his eyes.
1: No, but I'm saying, right, I'm saying that's what you want to see in Yeah, yeah,
3: Zay Zay Flowers was talking about, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, this is not going to define me.
1: Right, so you know what happens, at least in our make-believe world, and I'm not saying you're not allowed to talk or have fun, but in our make-believe world of what we assume athletes should be like when you have tough losses, it's just lay low. Yeah. The Cowboys just don't know how to lay low. Michael Parsons. Michael
3: said he laid low. He said he he couldn't show his face. Alone. Well, he's but making he, up for he, lost he's time. He's back on his podcast. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. right. I'm not saying don't talk. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying don't live your life. I just like just just lay low a little bit. But the owner doesn't. Don't lay do low. Don't do Cleveland as Cleveland.
4: The owner doesn't lay low. So why would the players think that they Understood. should be immune to it or do anything else?
3: Yeah, it sets the culture for the team. Yeah, And that's why they can't get out of their own way. And that's why I don't think anything is going to materially change in terms of their prospects in 2024.
1: We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN
0: Radio and ESPNU, as well as the ESPN app Sirius Series XM Channel 8. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.